Hey everyone, before we get started with today's episode, I have a quick announcement. We're doing Life's But a Song live! It's a live episode where I got some besties of the pod together to come and sing a song from one of their episodes. So on Sunday, February 19th at 4pm, come on down to see Life's But a Song live at the Lori Beachman Theater here in New York City! Tickets are $15. There's a $25 food and drink minimum. There's a link also in my Instagram bio with all of this information. But yes, come on down to see us sing and perform and, you know, also celebrate the podcast. And it's also my birthday. Yes, it's my Bobby birthday this year. So come on down to the Lori Beachman Theaters Sunday, February 19th at 4 p.m. Uh, here in New York City. And... On with the episode! Life's but a song, so you can sing along with a special guest star too. Or two. You like to sing and dance, and this podcast by chance explores musicals for you. everyone welcome back to another episode of life's but a song a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals i'm your host john and with me is returning guest he was on the boyfriend episode and he's still an actor and blogger and i can't think of a third thing because we like threes it's colden lamb everyone it's me 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 without a third thing it's me (laughs) hello everyone coming in hot Coming in hot. Um, we are here today to talk about the movie Pennies from Heaven, the 1981 Steve Martin Bernadette Peters movie that apparently is based off of a TV show that I just found out. Um, also called Pennies from Heaven. Also called Pennies from Heaven. Uh, it is not the 1936 movie that stars Bing Crosby, because I had to make sure. <laughs> that one's also a musical, so that's why I was like, which one? Um, the screenplay is by... Dennis Potter, uh, directed the BBC series. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That makes sense. Uh, directed by Herbert Ross. And according to IMDb, during the Great Depression, a sheet music salesman seeks to escape his dreary life through popular music and a love affair with an innocent school teacher. Colton, I didn't really like this movie. <laughs> that's, that's why I love talking about this movie. Because you either really love it like I do, or you really hate it. And most people really hate it. So this is going to be a fun boxing match today. I will say, I liked the usage of music. I like, again, it's a tap movie. We love tap. I loved that. I didn't like the men in this movie. And I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to, question mark? You're not supposed to. Great. Because like, we're following Steve Martin's character around Arthur, who is hypersexually charged. I'm I'm calling it. Yeah. He basically tries to rape his wife in a in a kitchen at one in one scene. And I'm just like, no. No. Well, that's the point. You're not supposed to like this character. He's an anti-hero, like a pal Joey. Now, I feel like what most people don't understand what gets them off is the Steve Martin character. That's the reason why most people don't like this story but in order to stand the steve martin character and to understand pennies from heaven you really have to have an understanding of german 
epic theater and particular three penny opera because those, it, that's a lot of words but i find if you have a better understanding of that you have a better understanding of steve martin and this movie um three penny opera for those who don't know follows a horrible man called mckeith also known as mac the knife and he basically has two women as well in his life who battle over him and mac is obviously a killer and he's a womanizer and he's a terrible human being and each one of the songs in three penny opera stops the action of the play and comments on the situation very similar to pennies to heaven from heavens excuse me i can't speak today (laughs) penny from heavens has an awful steve martin who is a horrible horrible man who puts women in terrible situations and each of the songs in penny from heavens stops the action and comments on what's going on and also like in pennies from heaven and three penny opera i'm going to spoil the ending a little bit um the leading man is sent to the gallows in both versions in pennies from heavens and three penny opera and the action stops and basically the author brecht in three penny opera or in this case it, it is arthur basically stops the action and says wait this is how it shouldn't end because this is in real life and then they go into a and then in three penny he's released and given a the queen knights him and gives him a pension and in this version it ends with that's the story of that's the glory of love with these all these beautiful women doing a big old kick line um and it so to un, so that's what i feel that most people forget is that it's very much in line with three penny opera in which we are not rooting for these people these people are horrible people to begin with and we are just watching them comment on society yes and i don't like any of the men in this movie well they're all supposed to be terrible people right like them arthur is a sheet music salesman and the songs that he hears on the radio and the songs that he sells represent his sexualized fantasies coming true and like i liked that and i thought it was very fascinating that they used the actual recording not them uh covering it i i really did like i liked that that, i like that concept i was just like this is very fascinating that you're lip syncing and isn't it fascinating that people still lip sync to get away with their people's troubles in life today on tiktok how peculiar Uh, uh, but like i don't know I, i wasn't sure okay so I'm glad that you see both sides of the coin because I was just like, are we supposed to be rooting for this person? Because I'm not. I don't. I don't like him. The whole lipstick on the nipples thing. I was just like, what are you fucking doing? Isn't that an interesting and fascinating character? You're watching this horrible human being. You're just attack all these people, women, all these women in his life, and even the men in his life. He gets. He's very jealous. Each time someone even mentions Eileen or talks about her, he gets infuriated and jealous. That's a more, I want to watch two hours of that than I do some, let's say, a princess who's always nice and talks to bird and takes apples from strangers. That character is so fascinating to watch because you're just wondering what makes him tick? How did he get this way? Why does he do these things? Why does he think that these things that he's doing is correct? And 
you're also fascinated with the marriage about how did these two people, one who's very sexually charged and one who isn't, how did they get together and what is their chemistry? It's right. She's a fascinating character to watch. Well, is she? Okay. So do you think she's asexual, Joan? Or now we're talking about Joan. Joan, um, yes. I, so my theory for Joan is that it had to be an arranged marriage because oh. it had to be somehow, some way, because these two people do not get along. And when there's a moment in the film and just letting our listeners know, this is a rated R musical and it goes to deep, dark places and it might be uncomfortable for you. So it is very, yes, yes. They go just, just a preface. Um, when Joan agrees to make Arthur happy by putting lipstick on her bosom, she starts to cry because yeah. it's painful for her because she obviously sees sex or does is asexual. She does not get pleasure from sex or she does not get pleasure from having sex with Arthur. I, well, so we don't know about any other partners, but I just assumed that she was just asexual because like, of that scene, of also when he tries to fuck her earlier, both in the kitchen and, well, sorry, first in bed when they, he wakes up and then in the kitchen. And isn't that a gross. great way to start your musical? It was in which, gross. In which you have a man half in shadow, half in light. So you see he has two sides of the rainbow, a dark side and the happy side. And the first thing you see is him trying to shag his wife in bed. Isn't that a crazy, Wild. awesome way to get your audience into a musical? And then he, like, I'm not going to lie. I was just I was just like, is this like the real version of the music man? Because <laughs> he's a traveling salesman who, you know, we never know if Harold Hill is married. Yeah, I guess it is a little bit of the dark side of the music man. And it has a lot of ties to Death of a Salesman. Because Arthur Parker does have those Willie Loman tropes of being an unsuccessful American at a really tough economical time in America, him wanting to have dreams that never come true. He cheats on his wife, just as Willie Loman does. And just like Willie Loman, he ends tragically. And then Bernadette Peters' character, I felt was a lot like Fontaine in Les Mis. Like, I was thinking about that today. It was, it was very Right? Okay. How is my daughter and her husband are probably just leaving this flat? Well, because like, you know, she... Has a decent life. It, uh, uh, Bern- Bernie's character, Eileen? Eileen. Eileen is the school teacher. Yeah, she has a decent life. The principal, was he the principal? John McMartin, who was also in... Pennies he from in- Heaven, the TV show? <laughs> no, he's a, he's a Broadway actor. He, he on, I think I'm saying his name right. Oh, God, please tell him to say it. Yeah, John McMartin or John McCollum. <laughs> someone will shoot me someone will shoot me i know it but he was the narrator in the 2002 revival of into the woods and also in 1969 or 68 he was in the film version of sweet charity john mcmartin john mc i was right the first time i, I right. needed to stop being paranoid and isn't he a fascinating character because he he's comes off as very strict and stern he beats a child with a ruler but then he's very sympathetic to eileen by giving her money and I love his. No, about- I didn't. I didn't see it as that. I saw it as like forced uh, sympathy. Like it wasn't from the heart. It was like I have to do this because of society. Like I know, 
I know society's terrible, but also society dictates that I should be nice to you right now because you're an Udwen pregnant woman. Yeah. And I love his speech about how the snake was actually Adam. It was there was never just a snake, it was Adam. Yeah, that was a, that was fine, but also I didn't really like him as a character. You're not supposed to like any of these people in this movie. That's the point. Well, I felt sympathy towards the women. But here's the thing with Joanne. First with Joanne, you realize Joan. that Joan. 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 Jessica Harper. Who's Joanne? Um, Joan is that there's a very small scene at the end where she's like, cut it off. I want his thing cut off. And she has this evil, smiling grin. So you wonder if she's just as screwed up as Arthur to begin with. And with Eileen, she has a monologue when she finally unfortunately becomes a prostitute she talks about how being a school teacher was death but she didn't know Mm. it but being a whore was death but seeing it and that she only you have one life to live and if she's going to see death she'd rather see it in person than not see it at all the idea of invisible and visible death so these women are just as screwed up as the men right but it's because of the men that they're screwed up like Okay. That's true. No, you are correct in that case. Yes, you are right. And we are two cis men talking about this. So take it with a grain of salt, everyone. (laughs) But like, from what the information the movie gives us, Jessica Harper, Joan, we had to follow her doing things to please this man that she is potentially forced to marry. And she doesn't really love him or she does love him and you know, she's like, why aren't you seeing me? Like, why am I following you? You almost raped me in the kitchen. I had, I tried to be sexy for you and like, you're being gross and disgusting about it. And so when we find out that uh, Steve Martin's character is up to be arrested for the murder of the blind woman, put a pin in that one. Uh, <laughs> um she finds out all these things about like how he's cheating on her and lying to her. And he took her dad's money that they're saving to open up the store that is failing. <laughs> so it's like, and he, and he just gives up and abuses. And it, yeah. And it's just like, well, of course, I mean, if I were in her shoes, I'd be like, yes, cut his dick off and feed it to the wolves. I don't <laughs> do. I, and I love that scene where she's where it's, the great commentary and great irony of the song uh what is it i think it's oh it's a sin to tell me a lie yes i do i yes. love you. and she pulls out the knife and you knife and, uh, the shears so, and she was about to stab him oh i wish that but it was only a musical fantasy like that scene That's is incredible insane. and she just sits there going did you say something Joni? she said no no but you see her head so okay, she's brilliant. Since we're, we we broached this t- this subject already, the musical moments in this, right? I first imagined it was like Roxy Hart in Chicago, where it's all in her head, and so it's all in Steve Martin's head. But Funny then we, this came first. Hmm. Well, yeah, <laughs> but or like, well, I was using I'm using that as a reference because that's like what. Yes, people would know because Chicago is also a concept musical in which the the story happens and the songs comment on the action. Uh-huh. And John Kander and Fred Ebb obviously knew about the works of Court Vile and Herr Blecht, especially since they did Chicago, and they also knew 
about the Kurt Weill, Alan J. Learner musical Love Life, which was also another musical in which the action stopped and oh, the sure. song commented on the failing marriage within Love Life. So it, this all connects back to Brecht and Weill. But yes, I'm sorry. I was distracting with my with my knowledge. I apologize. So yes. Bring out any trivia effects. Yeah. So yes, it's very much like Chicago, but Chicago also has its ties to Three Penny Opera, same as Pennies from Heaven. But I'm talking, so I'm referencing the movie though, where in the movie version, um, all the songs it, it, are in all head. Roxy's head. Yes, and so I thought in this, all the songs were in Steve Martin's head until we get to Love is good for anything that ails you. Or excuse me, Pennies from Heaven's comes first. No, he's he's in that scene. He's he like oh, that's his imagination. You're right. Like I thought it was his imagination, but it's the one where. It's where um, uh, Bernadette Peters is in school. Yeah, love they... is good for anything that ails you. Yeah. Yeah, and I was just like, wait a second. What? <laughs> because she already met Steve Martin, so it's sort of like his his musical magic, you may, had inflicted her. Oh. Same thing. With, same same yes. thing. But then you see her mind envisioning what the pimp is doing in Let's Misbehave. I need like 17 hours to talk about Let's Misbehave. <laughs> like, because Christopher Walken tap dancing. I fucking love it. I love it. It's amazing. It's and, the, and there's disturbing images of naked women behind him as he's tap dancing and the beautiful color scheme of the purple and orange. It's and a this, gorgeous the, scene. The, the strip tease choreography that he does while tap dancing. And with and the like, wah, 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 wah trumpet. And like, I... I ha- I read this on IMDb trivia, which rem- I was remembered that he was a dancer. He's a trained dancer. Yeah, um, back in the fifties, when when you went to acting school, you also took tap lessons. Yeah. And then um, now that we're talking about it, I remember Rockefeller Skank the the, uh, the uh, music video that he did where he's dancing in the hotel and flying and everything. Do you remember this? I don't. But what year was that? Oh, early two thousands. Okay, so it was post pennies. Oh, yeah. Way, way after. All I remember was his lazy one shuffle foot from Peter Pan Live. I mean, he's also a little older. (laughs) But it doesn't take that much. I mean, Ann Miller was 800 years old and she was still tapping up a storm in the 80s for the Oscars and the MGM Disney World and all that stuff. I also love Steve Martin dancing. Like, I know he's not a dancer. I know he's a singer. Which, hold on to that too. But like him doing that one number with the other two guys where they're... Um, it's the girl. Oh, yes. And he's doing the windmills. Like that's oh, a wings. hard yes. move. The wings. That's a hard move. Like I I took some tap. Uh, but like I couldn't master that because like my... I guess my body couldn't figure out how to move my feet separately and everything. But watching that, I'm just like, wow, that's that's difficult. And like and like what I also really appreciate about that song and other songs is that they're lip syncing to female singers and everything. And they're not like pretending to be women. They're playing it very straight, like as if they're singing it. And yeah, I really, very I really love routine because you have like the fake curtain. You have the banjo. Of course, he throws in a banjo riff in his own movie and then he goes back to doing wings and apparently the two other men behind him are like really big 
Broadway hoofers of their generation. So it's very impressive that he was able to do those uh, that those dance routines with those big names. And and but uh, more so, what I, I was also complimenting this movie. I, I'm sprinkling some compliments for this for this one for this one, even though I don't think I I like it. Um, <laughs> like he lip syncs to other female songs, and he's playing it as if he's actually singing it, not like I'm a woman now because we're doing a female voice or whatever. What like it could easily go into that kind of territory and it didn't do that. And I really, well, yeah. And, but we, as humans, we sometimes do that as well. We, Oh yeah. But like, you know, some, sometimes when I'm feeling myself and I, and Beyonce is on, like I whip my hair back and forth that I don't have and everything and, uh, and things like that. But he's, they are blocked and choreographed to stay in their character, but like in this fantasy, you know, that, yes. uh, but the dancing in this movie is fantastic. <laughs> I, this isn't like, this is just based off of a show, right? There is no stage musical of this. No, there is no, I want to make a stage musical of this. Do you know how incredible it would be? And, it, um, to, get, and to get dancers who can act, play the roles. It would be incredible. It would be like uh, an American Paris, but only good. So I'm looking up the choreographer for this movie was is an uh, a person named Danny Daniels. Unfortunately, he passed away in 2017. But like, he has a lot of credits to his name. He has 25 credits uh, as a choreographer to his name, and they're all over the place. Oh, he and worked Herbert- with Danny Kay. Oh, cool. <laughs> and yeah, and Herbert Ross, the director, he was a golden age choreographer as well before he went into doing movies. So both of these men are very well versed in mm-hmm. traditional golden age. Uh, tap and dance routines uh okay i want to take one of the pins out the blind woman yes well i know i know who she is and what she is but what do you want to talk about i just wanted to mention her because like she's her character and the 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 accordion player the accordion player thank you they're like tertiary characters it feels like but also they are important to steve martin's story do you know who they represent uh the two sides of his of his of himself no the Um, accordion player well to me this is my this is my personal interpretation interpretation the accordion player represents the depression because he dances behind a great kaleidoscope photo of all these depression era images and he sings the title song which represents the depression pennies from heaven and then we have the blind girl. She represents the, I think, the innocence of the 30s or the innocence that's left over from the 1920s. Oh, interesting. And so the depression rapes the innocence of the 20s. And murders it. And murders it. And notice that there's a poster of Carol Lombard in Love Before Breakfast, in which it's a famous 1930s photograph of her standing there with a black eye. And it's a big old poster that's right next to the alleyway where this incident happens. And when they find the blind girl, she has a black eye, just like the Carol Lombard poster. Oh, I didn't, did not connect those dots. I'm that, Again, this is just my interpretation. But yes, the accordion play represents the depression 
and the depression rapes and kills the innocence of the 20 the leftovers of the 20s or the innocence of the of the era i just love that the the blind girl just walks slowly cuz like obviously she's blind but like she she knows her path and everything and she's she has as most innocent girls do they know their path and they, they stay on it they stay on it and also she has it's a monotone voice, but it's like an innocent monotone where she's just like, or like a little dreamy where she's like, no, thank you. No, I'm good. <laughs> it's even more unsettling. I live in the house over there uh, behind the bridge. And it's like, my God, I, I was rooting for her. <laughs> I you was noticed that this gentle little smile when Steve Martin yells out to her, you're the prettiest woman I've ever seen. And she just lets out a little simple smile and keeps right. Working. But Ooh. she's the she's the only one that says no, and he listens to her, because the other two say no, and then he does that thing that I hate in movies, and I've said it multiple times on this goddamn podcast. Men should learn what no means, because like both Joan and Eileen say no, and then they cave into having sex with him and that's always a that's a trope that's in a lot of uh, in almost every movie where like uh when they're about to have a set a sex scene and the woman's like no 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 okay yes yes and it's like she says no first you should stop and keep going <laughs> like yes and that that's a me thing though and i think that's also why i don't like this movie because they clearly say no. I'm sorry. I'm watching it with 2022 eyes. It's my, my bad. Uh, but it's. Uh. Yeah, I guess uh. that that small little thing did, did not last well. It still happens. It's still happening in movies. But aren't we like, glad that we live in an age where we can recognize that and view that as incorrect and wrong? Yeah, but like. I'm sure when we watch movies 200 years from now, things that we think are acceptable and okay we're like wow they thought that was okay you know true 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 the march of time so wait he did die he did die yes Who? um what's his name arthur parker yeah yes he has to pay for the, the murder of the depression the depression uh, he has to pay arthur parker and in it quote unquote innocent men like him have to pay uh, their their due diligence or they have to pay for the mistakes of the depression. Because, like, the way that they staged it, it felt like it was a fantasy moment. Just like in Three Penny Opera. I've never seen it, so I don't... It's okay. No one has. But okay. in any case, just like Three Penny Opera, it's very staged. And notice, it's the only time that Steve Martin does not lip sync. And his voice is very, it's not like the recordings. It's very broken. It's well, very yeah, sad. and The Glory of Love is the only song that they're singing in. Like, they're not lip syncing to somebody else. It's their voices. Oh, no. Well, I think it's lip sync because I think the Bernadette Peters is singing. Some, some other woman's voice is coming out of Bernadette Peters' mouth. Really? I thought, I thought it sounded like, at least it sounds like him. I don't think but that I, is him. I could be wrong. But it would make sense that they go back to lip syncing because, and that's the reason why on TikTok, many people do covers of other people's voices 
because they don't want to be themselves. They want to be someone else. They um, want to okay. have the exact voice and per- perfectionism as the as the original voice has. So according to IMDb on the soundtrack section, The Glory of Love is sung by Steve Martin, Bernadette Peters, and the chorus. Fine, then you're right. That's Take not that. what my LP says. But, but like... I love you so much. <laughs> but it's... It, I th- I think that's also fant- uh, fascinating to be like we're gonna end the movie with these people actually singing or like it's not it doesn't sound like it's from the 30s. How about that? Give me that. We'll we'll compromise. It doesn't sound like it's from because like clearly the other ones had that tinny uh, yes texture yeah. to them. So there, there are like two songs in this that were specifically recorded for this movie the last one being that's the story of love and love is good for anything that ails you those were the only two songs that were quote unquote really for the movie yeah it's because love is good for anything that ails you does sound like it came from the 30s but it was specifically recorded for the film oh that's interesting the editing so well that it tricks you when you first hear it that i did like that moment too it was the (laughs) The child big band, like God, that's so it's it's silly, but it's like, but well, it is supposed and... to be silly and cute, so that when when you're jolted back in reality and you see the the principal whipping the kid, you're suddenly jolted. You have the rug pulled from out from under you. I feel like this is also commenting on musical theater, where, um, or at least golden age musical theater, where they would break out into song and everything would be fine in both the song and the story, except for like, you know, Sound of Music, where there's the Nazis that come in. But like the fact that like the movie, if you took the song, the the song moments out and the fantasies out, it's super dark and super depressing and super upsetting. But then you have these moments where it's like parodying in a way, musical theater, but also commenting on like, this is this is a dream. This is not real. This is a daydream of sorts. And then they snap back to reality and you're just like, oh shit, like that is wild. Especially the um let's misbehave. Is that no, that's not it. Um, which is the one that she's they lip sync in the elevator. Oh, I wanna be bad. The Betty Boop. I wanna be boop, boop, yeah. boop. like that one. Because like they or or what what you mentioned earlier. Um, ah, crap. I keep, I keep losing my place here. Uh, the, the, um, it's a sin. Oh, it's a sin to lie. It's a sin to lie. Like that one is dark, but there's still some sort of like kitsch to it. I don't know. I just hope she's, I was, I was like, stab him. Yeah. Stab him. (laughs) That one. Yeah. The whole, the whole audience wants to stab Arthur. I, yes. Um, oh, uh, it's, it should be noted that. Apparently, there are four, well, not apparently, there are four paintings that they reference yes. in this. I mean, the famous one being um, Nighthawks, which is yes. the, the diner moment. And when that happened, I lost my shit. But there are, there are three others, uh, Hudson Bay Fur Company and so- 20 Cent Movie by Reginald Marsh and the New York Movie by Edward Hopper. Yes. So the the f- first one, what was the first one again? 
the uh, Hudson Bay Fur Company. Hudson Bay Fur Company happens when Arthur just opened his music store and he's wondering where everyone is. And he sees these women in these fur coats parading and showing off. That's the first reference. 20 cent movie. 20 cent movies right after the follow the fleet. They just come out of the movie and you just see this beautiful movie theater in red and it's raining. That's what that picture is in reference to. And then New York movie. New York movie is the, um, Oh, I think it's, yes. You see it before Follow the Fleet in which you see an usher in blue kind of sleeping on the sides. Uh, once you see the pictures, they make total sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Nighthawks, like I said, I lost my shit when I saw that because I was just like, oh my God. Yeah, like, it's the most notable one that everyone knows. The other ones are kind of like, you have to really know 1930s artwork in order to get the reference. Have you seen the TV show? I deliberately did not watch the TV show just because I love this movie so much. I feel like if I watched the pennies from heavens from 1978, I'd be like, Oh, well they did it better here or they did it better there. I just love this movie so much. I just want to keep it in one area of my mind without ruining it. Well, so the stars of that, um, Cheryl Campbell and Bob Hoskins were not even asked to be in this movie. And I feel like that's a little shitty. I was like, at least make like Bob Hoskins somebody and Cheryl. Like they don't need to be a speaking role. They could be just on screen somewhere. Like throw in an Easter egg. Come on. I suppose you're right. But then again, I think they also said that you couldn't fight with MGM. And who would? Apparently this is considered like the last grand MGM musical. Do you know what was the last MGM musical? They Like the first original MGM musical made since Pennies from Heaven? No, which one? The Singing Nun, 1968. And the last like true movie musical that they did was uh, a musical called The Boyfriend from 1971. That was but that was like their last adaptation of a musical movie. The first original you're... musical since Pennies from Heaven was The Singing Nun. Your last episode. Great. <laughs> wait, oh, a, wait. A... What was it really? What a happy coincidence. What a Oh, oh I will wonder if you were sitting on that for a while. <laughs> um, so the 36th movie, have you ever seen it? No, I don't think I, anyone has. I was reading the, the, the plot synopsis of it, and it is so different. Nothing like Oh, this. I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> it's a, it is a Bing Crosby-like song and uh, maybe dance? I don't know. Movie. But it's so, oh, read the plot synopsis when you get a chance. Cause like it is, you're like, oh, so they just literally borrowed the title because of the song, not anything else. Like well, not even yeah. a character name. But it also fit for pennies for heaven from heaven. Why do I say to heaven? I don't know why, but it fits perfectly because when it rains, it, you know, the rain was the depression, but to Arthur, the rain represents money or the depression equals a symbol of somewhere there's hope in this rain. I find it interesting that there's that they named this after a song that he does lip sync, that Steve Martin does not lip sync. No, the depression sings it. Depre- the, dep- <laughs> the accordion player who represents the depression sings I, no, it. No, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. 
I remember your theory. Come on. You just said it. It's not like I, you... I just important. I just think it's important that people hear what I have to say at least three times a day. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about? before? We oh, my God. There's so much to talk about this movie. And nuts. OK, bring something up. Follow the fleet. Let's face the music and dance. Which one is that? Remind me. Where they're they're at the movie theater and they're watching Follow the Fleet. Oh yeah, yeah, the the Fred Astaire, yeah, movie. Yes, and then they shadow dance to it. I actually like I like that too. Where they, it, it um, because it kind of felt like when he starts lip syncing to her, it's like, look at me. I've been to the movies before, and you got to remember, movies in the '30s like was a treat, and so it it didn't feel like at first. Like it was a fantasy moment. It just felt like it was him being a jokester or whatever. And then they do the dancing. And I was like, ah, yes, now we're in the fantasy. And then they go into the movie. Yes. And I love that they shadow dance the movie because to me, that represents like, you know, the naive, innocent musical on screen with the modern, cynical movie musical shadowing it. Don't you find yes. that interesting? Yeah, and, that, and then and then they force themselves into it. And which... in Follow the Fleet, it's just a solo dance between Ginger and Fred. But in this one, there are men with canes. And you wonder why? Why are there men with canes? And it's not till you realize to the end of the canes become prison poles. And you realize it's foreshadowing what's going to happen to Arthur, that the men with canes represent the police. And they're coming after Arthur. No matter where you run in your fantasies, your inevitable end is coming soon. It's so good. <laughs> oh, I thought you hated it. I thought you said you it was terrible. You're talking okay. Uh, this discussion, much like making the cut, this this discussion is changing my mind. <laughs> yeah. Again, you just have to understand it. If you can't come into this. Unfortunately, it's one of these movies you just can't come into it well, with I an mean, open mind. You have to you it's you have to get like three seatbelts ready for this one. I think you also because you also gave me permission to not like him. Well, well, not gave me permission, but like you justified that we're not supposed to like him. I think now I'm like okay, maybe maybe there's more to this movie than the the first watch that I just gave it. You know, um, yeah. And again, your passion for it is changing my mind <laughs> about about this one i although i do like the um the lip syncing that they do when you cast bernie like you have to have her I, you can't give her the ending song she needs give her like a humming moment or something because she's fucking murdered at motherfucking peters well that's the point is that steve martin and bernard peters can sing but it's a deliberate choice that they are lip syncing Oh, wait a second. Is this, this is 81. Is this right before Into the Woods? Yes. And isn't it funny that she's okay. reading the story of Rapunzel to the class? I mean, I think that's more so to go with the fact that like, um, I, I know, I'm just saying it's a happy coincidence <laughs> that she's reading the story it's of a happy Rapunzel. Coincidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then a couple of years later, she's playing the witch to Rapunzel. But isn't, but that's supposed to, for what is happening in the movie, that is also supposed to help solidify her monologue later that you talked about where she's like i was i was dead as a school teacher um or i was dying in that in my old life and now like i am dying but like i'm living as well yeah i'm dying but i can see what's in front of me 
and so like that's what the 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 snippet of Rapunzel that we hear that's supposed to right am I right yeah (laughs) I'm thinking that and also apparently there's like some dark cynical thing with like Rapunzel she's bore twins but doesn't have a father same thing that is what's going to happen to Eileen where she bears a son but she has no one to father it so she has to get an abortion yeah yeah so that's what that's my theory on the issue how much time do you think actually passes in this movie oh i think a couple years pass years or a ser- at least a year or a month yeah because, i mean Bernadette yeah. peter starts off as a brunette and ends up as a as like a pixie uh lily st regis bond that is true and like we have thanksgiving because that there is that one that when she gets fired it's thanksgiving and how so terrible it, is it that the doctor who is on the school board and unethically lets loose the news that she's pregnant? I mean, isn't that happening like kind of today with the with like the don't say gay bills and everything? How like, peculiar! What it's it's still happening? We we still have to tap. Uh, what? Huh? What? Huh? What? 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 Movie is wild. <laughs> I wouldn't say like boyfriend wild, but more of like a ow, commentary on society. Wild. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now here's my question. This is why most of the time this, this movie didn't succeed. And it's what throws people off is the cast is Steve Martin, Bernadette, Peter, Christopher Walken. When you hear those names, you think, Jessica Oh, I'm going to see yeah. the jerk or I'm going to go see a musical comedy. But it threw them off. It threw people off because they were doing a very dark, cynical drama. And even when I watch it, I see Steve Martin and Bernadette Peters up there and Christopher Walken. And I'm just like, I can't connect to them or relate to them because I just associate them so much from their comedic roles that I can't see them being serious actors. Do you have that same problem as well? Nope. I just saw that I saw them doing their job. Think about like Jim Carrey. He and later in his career is doing more serious stuff. Yes, he's going back to comedy, but like he did like the number 23, he did Eternal Sunshine, The Truman Show. So like Yeah, but I, even those had like elements of comedy to them. And right, even but, something like Patchwork Adams with Robin Williams, that had elements of comedy. There's no comedy in this for Steve Martin to like. Oh no. Him. And that's and that's and I think he did a great job as his character. Um, I didn't, I didn't find it jarring. The only thing I found jarring was the fact that like Steve Martin and Bernadette Peters don't actually sing until the end. And it's like, okay, but you have the whole movie to get, I had the whole movie to get over that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, he did a great job at being a hateful human being or a human being. I hate. How about that? But yeah. no, he's, he is, a, he's, it's it's little red and the big bad wolf and the big bad wolf gets what he does gets at the end now would you classify this as a musical or would you say that this is a movie with music this is a jukebox musical so you would classify it as a musical? yeah okay i would i was a, a little on the fence because i was just like mm, it's not because technically it's not them singing but it's i guess i guess we could say it's their inner monologue singing the character sexual desire singing 
Yeah. All of their songs are about love. Fuck. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, and that's what the movie was trying to comment that in 1930s, the love songs of the era was the subtext for getting it on. Love I is mean, good for anything that ails you. Let's go to, uh, what's the one? No more money in the bank. So let's turn off the lights and go to bed. And yeah, I want, I want to be bad. But like, bad. let's misbehave. But All like, the subtext. It's a sin to tell a lie. Is that just about cheating then? Like, I know in the movie that's what it's about. But like, is the song about that? I would have to listen to it. All I remember is, do I love you? Yes, I do. I love you. That's all I remember. Um, did you ever see a dream walking? Well, I did. Um, but it's it's not the it's the girl that makes you happy, and it's the girl that makes you blue. Well, yeah, of course. It's um, like Shapoopy, if we're going with the Music Man route. Yeah. Uh, Colton, do you have anything else you want to? Again, can we get can we get to sharpen flat now, or do you have one more thing you want to mention? No, we have. I have one more thing that we can get to sharpen flat. Because okay. this movie's just so damn good. You know, this was coming from an era, the 70s and 80s, with some outliers, naturally, like The Boyfriend or Cabaret and uh, trying to think, oh, The Slipper and the Rose. But most of the, for the most part, movie musicals of this era were popcorn movies. Like you have your Little Shops, you have your Flashdance, your Fame, your mm-hmm. Grease, your Rocky Horror Picture Show. And usually the darker musicals like Cabaret and all that jazz did well at the Oscars and did well at the box office, did well critically. But this one did not do well at the Oscars, didn't win anything at the Oscars. It didn't get a big box office success and it doesn't even really have a cult following. It's just stuck in limbo, this movie. Really? So, yeah. Well, nope. maybe, well, maybe after this episode, there will be a cult following. But again, it's that... It, People don't accept that your leading man is a horrible human being. They they have they have that problem of your leading person has to be good or has to have a redeeming quality. Well, people uh, love Sweeney Todd, but he has a redeeming quality. He's doing he. Oh, there is sure it's revenge. It's revenge. Yeah, but he's from murdering people. Like you from, can't. Yeah, but from the beginning, Arthur's just a sadistic creep, and he. And he just stays that way throughout. He doesn't learn anything. And there's, they never give a reason of why he is like that. It's just, he's an asshole. Here he is. But my question is, why is it that Cabaret and all that jazz, which are dark musicals and have a cynical edge, and just all that jazz, the last about 30 minutes of that film is like Pennies from Heaven, in which the characters comment on Joe, the director. Why is it that those movies do well, but this one tanked? What is it that those movies had that Pennies from Heaven did not? You answered it earlier because Steve Martin is in it and he just did The Jerk. And so people are like, Steve Martin, but not a comedy? Well, Cabaret had Elijah and I just came back from Florida, the Red Menace. You know, you know, Bobby and Fred, they wrote that just for me. <laughs> well, I mean, but like, at least Cabaret... Yeah, no, I don't know. I don't I mean, know. Come on, my movie has Nazis in it. <laughs> you know, if it wasn't for the Third World War or the Second one, I mean, we wouldn't have the terrific Nazi musicals like Cabaret and the Sound of Music and the Britishes. The <laughs> How did I get into an Evan from Pennies from Heaven? I mean, Mama didn't even sing this. One. <laughs> they did want want a what a, a Judy song. They did want, oh. uh, or they or or is it on? Is it on your LP that you have or? 
well, let me check. Mama, are you on here? I Sorry, I sometimes slip into Liza Minnelli when I get crazy. Um, I believe they wanted a Judy song in here. I believe. Yeah, I saw that on IMDb. Like, they have a list of songs that they wanted to include, and Judy was one of them. And I bet um, you it's somewhere on the PBS, or excuse me, not PBS, the BBC series. Because in the BBC series, they had, I think it was about, I think they had like, several episodes and each episode had different songs so i bet you there's a judy song on the bbc um version of pennies from heaven well they had six episodes so they wanted they wanted the uh you can't have everything by judy garland they also wanted taint what you do it's the way you do it by uh, chick webb and his orchestra featuring ella fitzgerald and send me the electric chair Send me to the electric chair by Bessie Smith. I cover the waterfront and these foolish things by Billie Holiday nightmare by Artie Shaw and good for nothing by Lena Horne. Um, Now you can make a musical out of that. You can add those songs back into the musical. Yeah. Why not make this a music? Like this is, this will be a dark one. It'll probably be a hard sell, but I could see this being a stage show. And again, with dancers who can act so that because that way they don't have to sing. And also, if you don't give it to no, big, funny w- names like Steve Martin or Bernadette Peters. No, I think for the the stage version, though, I want. Well, also, licensing fees will probably be against them. for. OK, but if Moulin Rouge can get every song on the planet and, you know. No, I was going to I was going to say I want them to sing it. I don't want them to lip sync to. Well, that's the thing. That's what makes Pennies from Heaven Pennies from Heaven is their use of lip sync. Unless, unless, now hear me out, hear me out. We're we're making the show here. We're we're doing a concept of it. You have the acting dancing cast, but then you have a singing cast. So it's not technically them singing it. It's somebody like offstage singing it. But Bubby, that's more expensive. But is it more expensive than having you know the actual song in there well we'll workshop it first we'll send it to la jolla then we'll send it to texas mm-hmm, yes. florida then we'll do a month paper mill and, and then, then we go to paper, paper mill. mill and then another we'll, we'll workshop in town and then we'll, yes. then we'll, and then then we'll, we'll send it to philadelphia you know and then and then we'll go off broadway and then we'll go to broadway well no then we'll go to london then canada then broadway <laughs> or canada to london to broadway that's what they did with spider woman all right, we're we're spiraling right now. Let's get into sharp and flat, shall we? <laughs> you may go first this time. Okay. Sharp flat. Uh, so in this section, we're going to highlight some moments, whether or not we talked about it. If we liked it, it's sharp. And if we didn't like it or thought it can change, it's flat, which I think I basically just said all my flats. But we'll... Um, we'll re- recapitulate them. You know what? I'm going to start with flats. Let's start with... Let's end on a high note with this one. Um... Arthur as a whole, especially him being so horny and like trying to rape Jessica Harper, his wife. Um, not not really a fan of that one. Uh, I also flatted men. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then my last flat is one of Arthur's last lines, which was, "I want to live in a world where the so- where the songs come true." Great sentiment. But he is a terrible person. Are you saying this terrible whole people don't have hopes and dreams? Well, when he when he upended Bernadette Peters' life, 
and was just like, I'm out. Goodbye. At first, at first he had no, and he had no remorse for it. I was just like, you, he's a I'm human a, being. That line shows like he's a human being. Yeah. But like, even the songs have to end. Well, that's Can't, what he learns. That's what he learns when he gets hung. <laughs> the song, that song's end. Yes. Unless the, unless the needle is, uh, or the record is skipping, then it'll never end. That was it for me for flats. What about you? Do you have any? I have any flats. You know, there's some there watching I've watched this movie so many times. Um, just like the boyfriend, it's one of those things that would constantly show up in TCM. And whenever it did, I would always watch it because I would always find something new. And now that I've watched it so many times, the one thing that bothers me is sometimes when uh you can hear them editing or it, there's really hard transitions from the original recordings into new tempos or new music for example um it's the girl it starts off with the old recording then turns into a dance number and you just hear the the gear swift gear shifting of the the new music you might say do you know what i'm trying to say i think it shows up in let's misbehave it shows up in almost every single number and i and i just my fine ear hears it i'm just like oh it just it just takes me out of the moment just a little bit and see, what's so funny is that I made that unnatural. <laughs> so every once in a while in this section, I have what I like to call a natural, which is neither a sharp nor a flat. And for me, this one was the music where it's the original, like, if they could, like, clean up the original recording to make it not sound like it's from a record. Like, I think that would have made this movie greater. Or vice versa, if they dirtied it up the new, or they dirtied, or they dirtied up the tap dancing portion of it, and you or, know, like the music for the music tap arrangements. Dancing. I saw it and I forgot who it was. Marvin Hamlish, yes, great old yes. Marvin Hamlish, yeah. And, and you know the connection between Herbert Ross and Marvin Hamlish, yes. They fucked. Oh no, not that I know. <laughs> um, so Herbert Ross directed the film version of the Goodbye Girl. Later in his career, Marvin Hamlish would do the musical adaptation of The Good Ah, uh, Fascinating. I'm learning so, that's so their much connection. today. I'm learning so much today with this episode. <laughs> like, you, you you, were my therapist for this one, for this movie. Um, you taught me a lot of things. And now we're going to end on a high note, pun kind of intended. Uh, what are your sharps? You can say the whole movie. I, I will allow you to say the whole movie. There is one great sharp, and we haven't mentioned him yet. We oh, actually we kind of did. Uh, sharp is Gordon Willis, who did the cinematography. You, he okay. has so many great shots. Um, he's known as the Prince of Darkness. He did all the cinematography. Oh my the, God! Uh, yes, for this the Godfather movie, films. This movie was well. You mean darkness as in tone, or darkness as in like literal lighting and everything? Uh, he got his nickname Prince of Darkness from the Godfather movies about how the way he lit darkness and intensity. Yeah, yeah. This movie is dark, both in the subject matter and in the lack of or in the lighting, yeah. and it doesn't look. It looks natural, though. Like, it, like, you know how sometimes when it's night, exactly, they put, yes. like, blue and everything, and you're, it it looked so, re- like, I, 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 I'm going to agree with you, because even the, like, when we go to the fantasy moments, the jarring 
shift in the lighting and everything happens, but it's not bad. It's not like the mu- how how you are with the music where you know you hear the song and then we go to the the new orchestrations and it's like clean and not dirty or whatever. Like this one, it's done on purpose where like the pennies from heaven moment where it's raining and all of a sudden the gold paillettes or whatever fall down that are the pennies falling from heaven. And like, it is beautiful. It's so bit. I paused my screen at that moment to like call my mom or whatever. And there, and the, the accordion player is like in a pose, like he's dance in amid his choreography. And I was like, this is sexy. This is beautiful. Right here. This one, this whole framing of this pause moment. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking about scenes that have that darkness. Again, is that first moment where we see Arthur and you see one side of his face is not lit and the other one is. Another great moment is um, before Let's Be Bad. It's this dark and gray moment. And she she just says, on which floor is Arthur? And then it turns black and then her face lights up and everything's orange and pink. And then there's that great scene where they're, going to the record store and they have their conversation and it's all dark but you can still see everything and everything's they're half in shadow half in light everything's disoriented it feels really dirty and nasty i love little moments like that but then you have the brightness of like love is good for anything that ails you which i'm convinced in white i'm convinced Dune borrowed from that oh my god yes that's what i forgot to mention i think that's the only pastiche or any call out that Pennies from Ev Heaven ever got was that moment in Schmigadoon. Where um, the kids are dancing on top of their desk. Never too late to da 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 where they're tap dancing on their mm-hmm. on their desk. That's Pennies from Heaven did that first. Um do you have any more sharps? Or can I you're gonna like mine. You're really gonna like mine. They're not dumb. They're really it's all, all honest. I first of all love the concept. I love the concept with the music. Netflix did a series not that long ago called Soundtrack, which is the same thing, where they lip sync popular music. But who did it first? Mm. Pennies from Heaven. Yes, you're right. Well, no. Well, no, yes. Pennies from Heaven, because the the Three Penny Opera was original music, right? It was all original music, but the yeah, idea okay. of lip syncing. Um, I wrote also in Sharps, Tap Dancing in All Caps. We know I love a good tap number. I love. Oh, oh I will say, as though Steve Martin did a really good job. There are some moments I'm like, that's a there. It would look like a beginner trying to do times doing steps. Like in example, yes, yes, he's that step where he has like a flap, 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 scuff, and it looks his feet don't look so glistening. But you know what? For somebody who's not a tapper, I'm gonna give him a lot more credit. I give him credit, but that's just that one little moment yeah, that yeah, bothers yeah. me. He does a great job in Let's Face the Music and Dance where he dances with the cane and it's the girl where he does the trick with the hat and his wings. Like, it's just yes. that one moment in Yes, Yes. I also sharped It's the Girl. Don't yes. remember why. Which one is that one? This is a great number. It's the vaudeville number. And right after... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one we were just talking about. Yeah, yeah this it's is the jarring yes, moment it's, 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 where it's like, how are her tits, Arthur? Like, how's your wife, Arthur? And it, again, it's that jolt of there was, there was a great number. Oh, shoot, back to horrible reality. Um, I also start the children big band because I I laughed out loud when that happened. They're flat for me. There's this, there? one, there's this one girl with a gap tooth and pigtails who gets 
featured more than any of the yes, others. Yes, yes. I was like, is she someone's kid? I was like, like oh, well, there's the producer's kid. <laughs> but like, in general, they're it's cute, it's fun. I I thought it was hilarious. Um, but like for in good reasons, not like not like making fun of it. I think I'm laughing along with the movie. Be like, yeah. oh my god, kids playing. Kids playing the trombone is hilarious. And then the, like, there's one kid trying to play the flute. And he's watching the other one. So good. And then we come um, back to the kids getting whipped. I I like the moment where the blind woman quietly denies Ar- Arthur because he she's the only one that he listens to, and she does it in a way that is just like, um, no, she's so indifferent sounding, like. Like, I'm just going to keep moving, and I'm saying no, and you better listen to me. Sorry. Sorry, my, my little feminist side came out there for a second. Um, and then uh, my last sharp is the let's misbehave dance break strip dance tease moment. Because, yeah, like... It's a great highlight. Because, again, tap dancing! <laughs> but also, it's Christopher Walken. And, you know, a lot of people just make fun of him or just remember him from his... Some of the bad movies that he made. And you know his mannerism and things. I I think I remember this also to a podcast where they reviewed every single Christopher Walken film, and they yeah. had no comments, no quips, no nothing about this one movie. And, and how he's, he's only in one scene, right? That one yeah, scene, and he's so scary when he says, "You're not joking with me," because I'll cut your face. He. Yes, yes. And then in your seat and you don't think Christopher Walken can do that to you, but he did. And then he lip syncs, let's misbehave and dare. Like he start the the progression of his choreography where you start watching, you're like, okay, this is simple. And then all of a sudden he busts out and does like really um, fast tapping and everything. I'm just like, oh shit. Like he is a dancer with a capital D dancer um he was great he was, and in a in a in a thrill because you know you see the opening credits where they have everyone i'm like christopher walken's in this what yeah and, and you then, think it's gonna be a stupid cameo or something but he steals the show and to he represents the devil who and eileen's gonna make a pact with him or is he adam um so, I mean, it's a little weird asking this question at the end, but like, would you add any of I Because it, it's not really them singing, but like, would you add any of the songs to your life's playlist? Life's a bowl of cherries. I put pennies from heaven, the titular song, yeah. the actual song. Like, both it, of those, and both of those songs represent like things are never as bad as they seem. Yeah. Yeah. And that, yes, that scene, like, I I also love the in the that the penny right before the pennies from heaven that happens the diner wall like slides away really? or like it's very theatrical very cinematic and everything and I was just like oh I'm here for all of this and if you notice all the customers in the restaurant are not looking at him and they're all like sad and deadpan Arthur's yeah. the only one looking at him with wonder and amazement and then you know shoots him down afterwards uh, no, well, there... notice he shoots him down only because he references Eileen, and there was Arthur gets ultra jealous when anyone mentions Eileen. There was a moment though 
right before that scene where they're talking outside on the sidewalk um, and he puts his hand on the accordion player and I was like, are they going to fuck? Did they fuck? I don't understand. I love that scene because it's very cringy. It, it's a very uncomfortable tension scene of Eileen gives the this accordion player uh, some money because the accordion player is outside playing. Uh-huh. And then the accordion player steps over the boundaries and tries to involve himself more in Eileen by asking to play another song. And he plays this really loud and disgusting song. And Arthur just says, shut up, you fool. And the whole scene freezes. And then he, my idea is that the hand means that he's sorry or he understands. But like, I don't like the hand on the, I don't. I, saw it, I saw it as a gentle touch, like we're coded by saying we're going to fuck now. Well, then I thought about that. But then I what you watch later in the scene is like, he, the, the, oh, no, the, the thanks the man or thanks Steve Martin or Arthur for the meal. He says, God bless you, sir. And he's like, get off me. What are you, a pansy? And then he walks out of the store. So maybe they did fuck. And he's realizing, like, he's like, I'm not gay. Blah. Steve Martin is a very sexual character. I would not put it past. Well, sorry. Arthur is a very sexual character. Let me use the character name, not to, to distinguish the two. He And I wouldn't put him past him to fuck anyone. Like, he's so horny that he needs just to pound somebody or yeah. get it Ugh. i, I, uh, I feel that. gross saying that <laughs> well that's what it's supposed to, the movie's supposed to make you feel right. make you feel gross oh i'm so gross um we're done i'm calling it colden we're done with the episode wait but wait but Mom, okay fine yes i was wondering if we could have one more thing either to the beginning um there's one thing i think we should talk about okay the character of eileen now, I've been re-watching the movie again and again. I'm trying to figure this out, and I would love your opinion on it. Is that, is Eileen someone who was thrown into a circumstance? Or was she always like Arthur and was just sexually oppressed? Meaning that she always liked sexual fantasies and pleasures, but she never showed it. Or was she just was she originally just a shy, timid school teacher? And she was thrown into this situation where she was forced to like it. And now she does. Because she has that one scene where she's like, on which floor did they do it, Arthur? Um, so that right. makes me think that she always had those sexual urges. Or was did Arthur make her become interested in those I, sexual things? I, I think what happened from my first time watching this and with zero, like, research into her character or like or and whatever we're given i think her circumstances changed her personality so like she had a okay job even though she like could have done better um she's living with her dad or her brother dad and her brothers and so like she's just waiting going through life and everything um with like rose tinted glasses on. And then once she got pregnant or sorry, once she had sex with him and then got pregnant and then lost her job and then like started seeing, I I guess the glasses just came off and it was just naturally like, you know, she's just going into this world of like, well, maybe he will love me and maybe we will have, I will have this baby and everything. And then just finds her way 
into like, like literally spiraling out of control like Fontaine and Les Mis. Okay. That's how I read it. Yeah, it could be read m- many ways. And Bernadette Peter does a good job to make it open-ended and you really mm-hmm. don't know. But like, I don't know. Maybe if I watch this again, I think I will watch this movie again. Maybe I'll find another detail that'll have a different answer about it. But I think it's just, she's a product of her circumstances, which is what happened in the Great Depression. <laughs> Where pe- people, the stock market crashed, people were had to shift their brains and their and their way of living because they had no money so maybe that's what she represents if we want to go into repre- more representation of yeah. the characters but again it was like fontaine she was a victim of her time in which women couldn't have children out of wedlock and if if that happens you're career and your whore reputation is ruined and that your only other venue is prostitution right right and which is so sad that's the story uh, of that's, that's story the glory of love, love. <laughs> colden do you have anything you want to plug or promote i may not move that discussion i'm keeping it in but i may just keep it in right before this moment <laughs> we'll Hooray! see what happens power of editing um we're all gonna die, and we're, we're all gonna become prostitutes. That's the that's the message of pennies from heaven. Oh, wait! I didn't give you my flat. You did. No, music. I did. You said I, the music. That was neutral. We were talking about your neutrals. I never gave you a flat. You said that. You said as a flat, the music going from one to the other, and then I was like, "That's my natural." Sorry, I need to add another flat. Okay, add your other flat. The only problem with Pennies from Heaven is that it's very one note. It's a very good note, but it's just one note over and over for every single musical number, and which is life is not like a musical. Life is not like a musical. Every musical number is basically saying the same thing. And I think if we were going to improve it somehow, it would it would needs to have some sort of new messages because every number, that's what it's saying. It, like, for example, yes, yes, he didn't get the loan, but he sings, yes, yes, my baby said yes, yes. And you watch it and you think, oh, He's singing this because life is not like a musical. But if it was, it'd be like this. Or let's face the music and dance. Life is not like a musical because they're about to go to jail. That's my one problem is that it's very one note. Would you agree with that? You just broke me because this whole podcast (laughs) is called Life's But a Song. And we're celebrating musicals and everything. And I was just like, oh, fuck, you're reading me to filth right now. <laughs> well, I am your therapist for this session. Uh, I'm, like, I'm like the therapist in Lady in the Dark and you're Liza Elliott. No! And um, I've enjoyed your entire life in one therapy session, just like in Lady in the Dark. <laughs> I don't know how to recover. Um do I have okay, any plugs? Just... Yes, I do. You yeah. can follow me at coldlamb.com. You can also follow me on Instagram. I'm a writer for the Theater Times, and I have a blog where I write about things that I enjoy, <laughs> like Steel Pier, and about how Mark Blitzstein stole Leonard Bernstein, or Leonard Bernstein stole Mark Blitzstein's music for a West Side Story. And possibly I'll be writing about Pennies from Heaven and The Boyfriend when this comes out. So knock on wood. Um, and if you want to, I don't know, I don't I, I got nothing. Just email me at buttersongpod at gmail.com. <laughs> I'm also on Facebook and Scrim, Twitter and TikTok at buttersongpod. Colden broke me, everyone. 
And if you want to be part of the next episode's conversation, well, it's going to be another Second Chance Theater, and we're going to be recovering the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. Colton, thank you for coming on and destroying my podcast. Oh, <laughs> my... Any time of the week. <laughs> God, God damn it. Um, yes. Well, this was fun. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Losing my mind. Um, yes, yes. My baby said yes, yes. You know what, Calden? I'm still going to keep an open invitation for you. How's that? You will. You are more than welcome to come back on with anything else if you want to destroy me. <laughs> I got an invitation? You got an invitation? Well, this just must have been break out into song. The prince is given a ball! Um, oh, that is not a musical. That's pennies from heaven. <laughs> Bye for now, everyone. Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.